0: Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items you may not know about but should.
1: Welcome back to Guitar Radio Show. Our next guest is, uh, I think, honestly, is the uh, the epitome of a working musician. He he does it all. He has music that has appeared in movies, uh, TV shows, uh, all over the place. He uh, has toured with countless different artists, um, played on. Countless different artists' records, and at one point he was even the musical director for Leader Ford, who is a uh, uh, definitely a friend of the show. And um, he's here to talk about his career and what's coming up down the road. Uh, please welcome to Guitar Radio Show, Mr. Steve Fister. How are you, sir? Oh,
2: fantastic! What a great intro. Thanks, Mark.
1: Cool, man. Um, so you're in L.A. Right?
2: Yeah, and you you're, you're going to absolutely hate me when I tell you how nice the weather is today.
1: <laughs> I just got off the I just got off the phone with uh one of my one of the people who who's on the show regularly with me, uh Darren Simonian. Um and he we were talking literally just moments before I got on with you and he was he was rubbing it in pretty good, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, you know, people actually bitch about the weather here, and, and, I, and I can't believe that they do, because we that's one thing we have, you know?
1: <laughs> you have that and high gas prices, so.
2: Well, okay, you got me there, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, we had it, too, up until just about two, three weeks ago, and things started to come down, but, you know, it is what yeah. it is. It is what it is. This is the world we live in, and, you know, post-pandemic, it's, uh, it's a very fascinating, you know, I feel, I, you know, I said to somebody recently, I said, you know, I I don't align myself with Nero, but I definitely understand <laughs> where he was at when he picked up that violin.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, it kind of feels like that sometimes, isn't it? And, you know, with the supply chain issues and, and you know, we're all kind of pretending that nothing happened and that everything's back to normal. But yeah. um Slow but sure,
1: we'll get there. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I hear about tours that get can't that got canceled during the height of that. Really, when the gas prices were absolutely bonkers, um, you know, absolutely. people were canceling their tours because they they literally were losing money because just because of the gas.
2: not only that one person gets sick and you're on a you know a real tight budget which most of us are these days oh yeah
1: absolutely and and not every band can do what like what what motley is doing on the on the stadium tour they they literally (laughs) have another band member ready to go and take take someone else's place should that person get sick you know, so, I mean,
2: but who else can afford to do
1: that? Well, yeah, know? I mean, it's understudies. <laughs> Literally, it's like Broadway, you know, and they're understudies, you know. So it's like <laughs> there's a there's a Nikki Six waiting, or, you know, a, a mini Nikki Six and a mini, <laughs> mini McMars and a, and a hopefully a mini Vince Neal, you know, and. Um,
2: <laughs> mini. Well, OK, that's a stretch.
1: That would be but, a stretch. You know. So, yes, but, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> You've been in LA a, a long time now, over twenty years, right?
2: Yeah, you know uh, how that all happened. You know, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. Right. And uh, and uh, Buffalo, great place to great place to be from. Great great place to learn. There were some great musicians. We were just talking about Billy Sheen. Oh yeah. And um, you know, all during that that sort of time, and and. You know, I was started to tread the same ground, you know, because it was a real fertile club scene.
1: Absolutely. And you could
2: al- you could always play. You know, there was gigs to play every night. So, yeah. you know, I graduated from high school early and uh, sold my car, bought a van and moved and just said, well, you know, New York's too cold because I'm kind of there even, you know, 400 miles, you know, the other end of the state. London, you couldn't get in mm-hmm. because of immigration. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, where's the music? Where's where can I go to actually do this and that, you know, tread the same ground. Yeah. You know, play in the same clubs, yeah. the same sort of opportunities and you know in a smaller sort of market. So, you know, never never uh, left home before, obviously seventeen. Mm-hmm. Packed up the van and moved to Beverly. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> and,
2: and I've been here I, I had a little sojourn in, in, in Nashville for about four years.
1: Oh okay. One,
2: I, I I was a little early for that, actually. Um, yeah, now you it's know, it,
1: now it's the place.
2: It is it is the place. I, I was there a little bit early. You know, I had a I had I had a job with, with Pat Travers, and Pat was living in Orlando and still does, as far as I know. And uh, had had a job with uh, with John Kay and Steppenwolf. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, okay, this is going to be you know a good anchor to get started mm-hmm. over there in Nashville. And um, and I did and. But boy, California was calling. I, you know, I, you know, I, I came back, and uh, this is where I'm at. So I'm not moving.
1: No, I can dig <laughs> it. When, and and you know, it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to know. I mean, when you when you how could how would you describe the scene for a working musician like, now, like in L.A.? Yeah, now as opposed to when you arrived.
2: Oh my God. Um. Well, you know, not not to not to try to sound negative at all, but most of the clubs are gone, mm-hmm. and of course the pace, even in L.A., you know, um, there's just a handful of places, which is why I kind of saw this whole thing coming on many many years ago, and that's why I tried to make most of my bones in Europe, right? Because you know, I mean, you know, I would live here, and it would just be you know an extra day to get to work. That's that's kind of what it was
1: mm-hmm. for
2: for. Oh, probably oh, 12, 14 years worth, worth of doing that. But in L.A., right at the moment, you know, there's a handful of places and for young guys coming up, you know, jeez, I think you have to be, you know, super, super resourceful. And because uh, when, when I was starting, God, I sound old, but I'm not that old. But <laughs> I don't feel old anyway.
1: Well um, if if you are, then you've got a serious case of Dick Clark disease so you know well let's thank my uh, my Italian mom for that you know <laughs> that gave, you know gave me some reasonable skin and some hair so
2: thank God <laughs> but, but it was like there was always you know sessions to be done and you know we're, we're talking live off the floor you know mm-hmm. you know having your skills together and and you know being able to read and and we're not talking crazy sight reading we're you know we're talking charts you know charts, rhythms, you know, and being able to decipher certain things and, you know, speak the language. And there was always work to be done with that. So I was always lucky. I kept busy, you know, doing that kind of stuff.
1: And And, you were uh, were teaching.
2: Yeah. You know, something teaching was always something. It was always something I did. Even when I was um, in Buffalo, this is a great opportunity from being from Buffalo. Um, I actually I started teaching at the local store when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So I mean that was a great opportunity, and you know I had a handful of people that I would teach of all ages, and you you kind of, in, in particularly in present day due to this pandemic thing, um, it really really came in handy because I really enjoy it and uh, it just it just kind of fun. I mean I don't I don't fill the calendar you know totally full because it I'm driving nuts, but. You know, I try to give everybody, you know, personal attention and, and uh, you know, have some fun with it, too, you know, because it's kind of what it's all about. You know, music is supposed to be a really great right brain thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to teach. I, I mean, when yeah. I when I was teaching, it was such a cool thing because it was so reciprocal. You know, yes. when, when yes. you know, when you when you were working with somebody and, and, you know, the gratification of them getting it, you know, and, and really and really enjoying it. And then often enough. When when you had somebody that might be well, maybe a little more challenging to find mm-hmm. to find the way to reach them, and then when you finally do, it's like oh they because them being a little more challenging they made me better
2: exactly, and just finding the right way to get in there. Yeah. You know, um, I I had a gig which was really nice, and here's the thing about teaching. You know, it's like if a lot of guys are teaching. You know, it seems to me uh, the most valuable guys, you know, are the guys that have some experience, mm-hmm. you know, because that's kind of what it is. I know it's instant gratification these days, you know, y- YouTubing and stuff like that, which is great. You know, I, I look on it all the time and there's there's always something to learn. But I had a gig at um, um, the, the Los Angeles College of Music and Frank Mbali was the, the department head. Mm-hmm. And of co- I was a, I was the rock teacher. There's a stretch, right? But uh, <laughs> it, it was, um, you know, Frank hired me, and, and I really got to learn about a lot about that sort of function, you know, how to get in, you know, to a whole army of people, you know, from, right. from different countries, from different everything, and, and Frank was really great, you know, giving me some pointers whenever I would ask, and say, hey Frank, how do you get in there? You know, and, and he'd be really, really helpful with that. So that was a great experience, and what was really cool about it, is that I could sub it, I could go on the road, so it was professionals teaching students, not the other way around.
1: Right. So right. Yeah, that was a
2: really fun thing.
1: And that's I, and you know, and my experience with him is he's a really open guy and he's open to listening to ideas about where to go.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he
1: reinvents all the time and ideas. Oh, you, you know. <laughs>
2: including with the guitar endorsements. Oh, just kidding, Frank. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs>
1: no but it's uh, you know it's basic we gotta be resourceful you yeah. know we have to figure out ways to, to to keep it keep it flowing yeah for sure you know <laughs> and it's interesting too cause I you know like when you're talking about you know lessons and the recording sessions and stuff like that um, especially in LA when we you know it used to be uh, before LA got really hot yeah. you know before the days of of uh, you know well that's not true I mean you know, at the same time that the Wrecking Crew were doing what they did, you right. know, there was a lot going on in New York, too, you know, with, like, sure. a skunk Baxter and people like that before he came out to L.A. Um, yeah. Um, but after a while, it became, it became that L.A. was the place for session work. Um, and so did that ever become where you were... Because I heard a great story about you and the uh, when you first auditioned for Lita, that Sharon and Ozzy were in the room. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, that so was crazy. but yeah. w- but when you were doing sessions and stuff like that, did you find it uh, did you find it difficult, or was it a matter of, you know, if the phone rang and somebody asked, you better go because if you don't, somebody else is going to get the gig.
2: A little bit of both. Yeah. You know, it was you know back back in those times, um, if you were if you were fortunate enough to get the call, you know, I, you really had to go and put your best foot forward. You know, everything from you know the technical aspects, making sure you had the right instrument, knowing the producer, knowing what he wanted. Um, you know, a lot of times it would just be chord charts, and and you'd have you'd have to come up with a part, right, and that kind of stuff. So they wanted you know it, it, you had to be really careful how much input you would give them you know because you don't want to you know you, you're the session guy you're there to serve them right and, and it not the other way around yet you still want to make yourself valuable and,
1: well um, yeah absolutely because when you do then they're gonna, there's more chance that they're going to call you back
2: exactly you and, know and that's the whole thing because even the session scene here I mean there's, there's there was always a handful of guys and tremendous players great great guys right and, and uh, you know, if you got a little foot in anywhere with a particular producer, you know, like even somebody that was up and coming, you know, you just do your best job and uh, go the extra mile and, you know, maybe you get called back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, but to me, it was always, you know, I love to play live. That was always my thing. And right. I looked at studio stuff as kind of like supplementary, you know, it was something you just had to do. Right. That you just wanted to do because all the guys that I loved and and still listen to, you know, they they could play, you know, they could walk in right off the floor and just play it because mm-hmm. it was tape. Mm-hmm. There there was no there was no there was comping, but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like it is today. Right. So you know, and there there was the budgets were bigger, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a different scene. So you just had to be adaptable again, yeah. being resourceful. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. I I, I I there was one. Uh, session I was on at one point where they had me come in they said we, we really like your tone on this other record we heard I was like okay we want oh, cool. you we want you to do that but we want you to just play a bunch of this and a bunch of you know a bunch of th- different phrases and then we're going to just take it and we're going to cut it up and put it all together oh. I was like okay so I would do you know 20 seconds of this 30 seconds of that for about an hour and a half I just did, (laughs) just, it was, and honestly, it was like, I was like, okay, guys, this really isn't making any musical sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, what
2: are you going to do with this, right? Yeah, I was like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, and so
1: then later on, they, they just took all those pieces and they comped and they put it all together and they made it work. And it was, it was wild. It was trippy to see how they did it that way, as opposed to, you know, but no, I have shown up for gigs where they said, so we've got this drum part, we've got this bass part, but we need a riff. Ooh. I was like, oh, shit. That's writers
2: right there. That's writers stuff.
1: Yeah. So, So know. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, you know, and it, luckily it was something that was in my wheelhouse, you know. Right. Did, you, did you ever get called for a session where you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of not my wheelhouse. I got to fake it till I make it?
2: You know, yeah. It's somehow or other, you know, I, I, I'm sure there was some squeakers, you know, where you go in and you go, oh, my God, or else you're having a rotten day or, or the chart isn't quite right and you're the new guy mm. and there's something, you know. Um, but <laughs> to go back to what you said a second ago, I, I was just trying to think of some of the stuff back in the day. And do you remember, remember the Bill and Ted's ex- Excellent Adventures? Yeah. Well, there was, there was a cartoon show. Um, on Saturday mornings, right, ten o'clock, like, you know, and um, I played all the guitar parts on that thing. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of thing where I got called for this session, and the engineer and the producer, they're out having lunch and they're going, "Well, okay, we need a bunch of just like you were talking about." Um, we need a bunch of, you know, excellent, you know, playing a little riffs, yeah, and those, making little motifs, and st- yeah. all that, all that, you know, all that stuff, you know. Uh, and, and, of course, it was a buyout. And I, I'm young. I don't know the difference. And, and I'm sure they probably wouldn't have used me had I not taken the buyout. right But, you know, it was syndicated and it did the whole thing. So, you know, that was, you know, hello. That's kind of the direction that they were taking, like they would file the contracts in Canada. And do you know different things to get around union rules and right, stuff like
1: that. Right. And then, then the next
2: week there would be a, um something for like Yamaha motorcycles with with Greg Bissonnette and you know just play a bunch of crazy shit and make it go to the go to the screen. You know, make it you know real action packed. Right. You know that kind of thing. Right. But you were you were paid. You know, you were reciprocated properly for that. So. I mean, it's just total ends of the spectrum. I guess you just got to be ready for just about whatever,
1: you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. (laughs) So, you know, while I got you, why don't you tell the story about when you auditioned for Lita? Because you ended up becoming her musical director, lead guitarist, for European... Was it European tour?
2: It was... was, We did... uh, Jeez, we did the whole U.S. We did, you know, we did like 11 months straight one year. And uh, a bit the next... So it was about... Three years, you know, worth of stuff with with Lita, and she was, she was a great boss. I got to tell you, you know, being in you know a popular rock band in the '80s and the late '80s was, was was kind of a cool thing. I mean, the budgets were big. Oh yeah. Um, the video stuff was cool, and how that actually came about was I had been you know kicking around LA, and I'd been playing with Michael DeBars. Um you remember Michael used
1: to play with? Oh yeah. With, well,
2: he, oh yeah. Silverhead and all these different oh, detective
1: detective. Yeah. That, I mean, I saw it's Detective stuff. open for Kiss. Boo. Nineteen.
2: 19 <laughs> they made
1: some good records. Nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. Oh, Grim Reaper. The track Grim Reaper. Oh my god. So good.
2: Some killer drumming on that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeesh. So I mean, really, in many respects, it was kind of like a supergroup. It was really cool.
2: Yeah, it kind of just didn't happen.
1: You know? No, it, it, yeah, it was they were on Swan Song, right? They were. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. No, but yeah, I saw that. Michael, great singer.
2: I was playing with Michael, and, um, you know, there was a record, and there was a tour, and I got done doing that, and, you know, well, okay, what's the next thing? There's, there's the t- typical sideman conundrum, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, Ozzy Osbourne's looking for a guitar player. And everybody in L.A., you name it. I mean, even, you know, people that walked into the rainbow were getting auditions. It was like this crazy thing. I had been playing. And meanwhile, there was a Sunday night band, like a kind of a jam band. Now, let's,
1: let's get the time period right. Is this this was before Zach? This was right
2: around Zach. This was right when Zach got got in the band. I okay, it was In okay, between okay. what uh, Jake, Jake and, and Zach it was okay. It was right around Zach, just a young guy, you know, <laughs>
1: right out of New Jersey. <laughs> and the, yes,
2: yeah. yes, and and you know, just just a, a great guitar player. Um, and boy, he made the right choice, I, I'm sure. Um, and everybody was getting an audition. Everybody was, and I, I was playing with. with um, Phil Sussan and a bunch of the guys at the time, just you know, casually, just being part of the scene, you know? And of course, I sent my stuff in, and um, Phil and the drummer and Randy at the time, you know, Castillo, they were, you know, in charge of screening a lot of the stuff, and they would audition everybody that came through. And I, I he took, Phil told me this story many years ago, um, that Sharon came in and said, uh, well, we won't be auditioning this guy, you know, pointing to me. And, and Phil going, well, well okay. And I had been doing a lot of sessions at the time for a producer at Jet Records, which was Don Arden. And right. that's, um, mm-hmm. you know, that whole we'll scene. Sure. Uh, so um, I would be in and out of the office a lot, and Lita came in and out and stuff like that. And um, I said, well, she's looking for a guitar player? Well, okay, I'd, I'd like to audition. And then and that went a little while. And then I got recommended from some other folks. So I got two different recommendations to go down and audition. And when I did go down to the audition, I mean, it, Geez, I kinda of remember this. It was kinda look like uh the maternity ward at a hospital. All these guys like pacing back and forth and smoking and getting all nervous. All these guitar players, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're all getting nervous to go in an audition. And I'm got my poker face on. You know, they said, okay, learn two songs. I learned five. You know, I was ready to go. And I walk in and I couldn't get an audition for Ozzy. And, and uh, right at the audition, there he is sitting two feet from – three feet from me, right next to me right there. And I'm going, oh, my God. So they – after I played, I played, oh, I don't know, three songs or so. They went out in the parking lot to talk about me, I suppose. And Ozzy's just sitting there. So we're talking about soccer and, you know, how – how dour Belgium is, and, <laughs> and Michael DeBars, and all sorts of stuff. It's the nicest guy ever, wow. super sweet, mm-hmm. and uh, next thing you know, um, the, I, I left, and, and, and the producer from Jet Records called me and said, if, if you don't fuck anything up in the next two days, you got the job, and I go, okay, I'm staying in my house, I'm not going anywhere, and uh, it, it wound up to be a, a really, absolutely super, um, you know, relationship over those years with her and uh tons of work Mm -hmm. really really cool stuff Mm -hmm. i mean every arena you know from here to um finland we were in at the time so it was a great experience
1: the the opportunity to do something like that always or usually ends up leading to more work yes yes um and what, what did that do for you? I mean, obviously the notoriety, because all of a sudden now you're, you know, you're getting seen and right. the industry also is knowing, okay, because that was a really successful tour, right. um, a successful time period for her. She was selling a ton of records. She was an MTV darling um, mm-hmm. at that time period. So mm-hmm. what, what did it mean for you after that?
2: Well, you know, when you're gone for, say, 11 months straight, um people even you know your home base is uh you know you, you're you're kind of disconnected you're living in this bubble mm-hmm. and so gig wise it would be the bands that you know who, who did we who did we open for we opened we opened uh you know for poison we opened for ted nugent we opened with for Ingve momstein those are some of the and of course Bon jovi right.
1: um
2: and we and tons of stuff. There was maybe oh two weeks worth of clubs, and then it was you know arenas and, and, and theaters from then on in. How are you gonna network when you know it's kind of a closed circle? So it's it's a double edged sword. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
1: you,
2: you don't really you don't really you're not really sure where it's gonna go. But I kind of you know we saw the writing on the wall. You know, um, the big hair in the arenas it was going away real fast. Yeah. So what the hell are we all going to do? And I, you know, me like everybody else, I thought, well, hell, if I'm going to, if I got to keep doing this, what am you know, what is the proper direction? And I thought, well, you know, being pretty musical. So then I got a job with Stu Hamm at that time wow. and a real muso outfit, you know, <laughs> and Stu's fantastic. And he played on a couple of my records, you know, and, and you know, we've made, remained friends and stuff, but. You know, it was back in the van, and um, the songs, I mean, uh, Stu's catalog has everybody from Alan Holdsworth to, um, you know, Eric Johnson, to, you know, Joe Satriani, to everybody, all the greatest, the greatest guys, the most popular guys, and Stu was so cool about that by saying, you know, just play the heads and then do what you want, you know, do your thing. I want you because you play the way you play, Mm -hmm. and, you know, light bulbs went off, and, and, you know, I, I... you know, I obviously, I always had the dream of wanting to be a solo artist, always, always kept that, you know, in the forefront. And that gig was kind of a little bit of a catalyst to say, well, maybe I can keep this going, you know, and then, you know, I, I did my first record on an independent label, and, and the goal was always just to make another one, and then try to develop touring, you know, which I did over in Europe, and still do, you know, yeah. so, um, nobody's getting rich but we're uh, we're doing what we love
1: well once again you know that's the whole idea behind the working musician right yes exactly you you know you're able to sustain yourself you're able to be creative and you're able you're able to do the thing that you feel that you were placed on the planet to do
2: you know yeah and and you know a little bit of gratitude and things and you know you know there's been some you know, as I was thinking about, okay, we're going to have this conversation today, you know, I never try to to think of the past. I always try to think about going forward. Right. So I have to put a couple of things in my brain and say, well, okay, you know, what are the things? And I guess it's just plain old being, you know, grateful that, you know, everything still works Mm -hmm. and I still really love the guitar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I play it every day and and try to learn new things and, and, you know, kind of be on point. I don't know. There's a thing about just being a pro that um, it maybe was lost on a lot of people during the glamour and all that stuff during the '80s. But well, it was always craft to me. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. That's and that's why you're still doing it. See, that's the, that's the thing. Is is there are so many of those folks that were? It was all about you know. Okay. How big is the hair? How exactly. T- how tight is the jeans? Where does the where does the rip in the jean go exactly? Um, you know. <laughs> It was just after a while it was, you know, it's funny. And I say this, I use this quote a lot and I say this quote a lot. And I know it's pretty on PC at this point in time, but it's something that David Lee Roth said in the in the (laughs) mid 80s. And he said that, you know, he goes in the L.A. scene. He goes, you know, when we came along after a while, everybody started to look alike. Everybody tried to sound alike. Everybody started to do the same thing. It was very incestuous. He says, what happens? What happens with incest? You end up with retarded kids. So, you know, <laughs> you know I gotta, I got
2: to use that one. Well, that's hot. that's it, a good one. Yeah, so I, I mean, you right. know,
1: using the word retarded is not a really PC term at this point in time. But it's right. but you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> but it, it does it there are there is that incest. And you know, and and interestingly enough is is the 80s were not unique to that situation cuz it happened right. the, it happened in the 50s, it happened in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and it's happening now. It absolutely is happening is. now with with popular music, and that's just kind of the way it is. You know, I mean, I mean, think about it. You know, it goes all the way back to, well, even before that. But it goes back to the Brill Building when they were when they were writing in there, and you had, you know, you had uh, Carol King, Carol King um, in there, and you had uh, who else was in Neil there? Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond was in there, and um, not Simon oh. and Garfunkel. Was it Simon and Garfunkel? No, there was somebody else uh. writing. In there, and but but you know, I heard Carol King say that you know the walls were so so thin that you know you could hear everybody (laughs) playing. And after a while, through osmosis, all the songs started to sound the same. You know, absolutely, absolutely. but, But also, it's but it's also the record companies and the marketing and the formulaic nature of how something hits and it becomes milk worthy it's like okay now we gotta milk this for all it's worth and 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 really make it happen and that's how you get that incest I think
2: and then how do you get okay um, you know okay we all know we have to serve the song whatever that song is that's part of being a professional right. but then you know you got the you know you have the artist side and then you have you know the worker side, right? And and that, then commerce comes into the middle of it, and you go, okay, well, how am I going to how how am I how am I going to pay the the car note and the mortgage? How am I going to get this right? And where do they meet? Right. And I think that's a struggle for every artist and for every, every musician, you know, to try to make, you know, you you know, <laughs> like a lot of maybe maybe guys that are a little bit cheesy or, or whatever, you know. Now it seems like anything goes, you know. You, but we have to figure out a way to balance those two things. When, when commerce gets involved, yeah, you know, yeah, a lot of times the musicality just goes right down the shitter. Absolutely, and, and we, we have to be careful, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's why I think it's kind of cool that you got You do, you, know, you, and artists like you that go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do, I'm going to do some studio work, and and lend my talents to whatever it is. Uh, and no judgment. And, um, you know, know, to me it was always just like, okay, this is what you want. This is, you know, you know, I'd walk in, I'd walk in and be like, we're doing jazz today. I was like, well, okay, good luck with that. Let's see what happens. (laughs) And, you know, you know, and it was whatever, whatever, whatever. And then when it was my stuff, it was, it had to be, it had to be authentic. It had to come. It had to come from the heart. It had to come. It had to be real, because otherwise you would, you'd be able to smell the stink off of it, you know. And so I think that's what you've got going on, you know. And then of course, there's the other stuff. There's the teaching, and then there's and then there's, there's something else that I want to ask you about, which just totally fascinated me. And it's coffee. Please. Coffee.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got one going right now. If you okay. hadn't noticed, you know. Um,
1: so you gotta I, you gotta walk me through that.
2: <laughs> it's it, it's it's you know um you're talking about the
1: website and, and that kind of thing or the 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 common yes, thing. Or, yes. Or, yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> you know you know my European agent kind of took me to task about that. I said <laughs> I said what are we all purists here? What is going on? You know, I, a friend of mine came to me with that and he said, uh, what do you feel about uh, doing this? And, and it was supposed to be tied in with, um, you know, like playing gigs and like an, another way to, you know, help, help get some extra income in. And I, and yes. I, I said, well, I like coffee. Oh, yeah. I said, uh, right I around the pandemic, I said, but we're not going to be playing a whole lot of gigs. Um, I said, so uh, why don't we come up with a clever little name and stick it on the site? And he goes, fine. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: I love it. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 you're, you know, once again, it's, 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 I think it's cool that you're doing coffee, but, you know, it's, I it, mean, Metallica has what, whiskey or something like that?
2: They have whiskey. And I, I think, um, you know, blackened, it's called he black, it's,
1: it's called blackened, you know? right? Um,
2: blackened whiskey.
1: right? Yeah, okay. That's yeah. what they have. And, and, and uh, uh, Sammy Hagar has his tequila, right? He's a tequila, tequila. mogul. He's a mogul. Of, te- of tequila, you know. So you know, I, I I really I I think it's so interesting and fun that there are so many and 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 the and I'm I'm going someplace with this that that, that artists are, <laughs> that artists are doing that you know and yes and I'm I'm getting on the bandwagon but I'm doing something different I'm doing I'm doing uh what I'm doing at our website is a custom shop. And there's going to be oh, nice. there's going That's to be right. like like specially made pickups, specially made pedals, specially made. Eventually, I think we're look we're even looking at strings. But um, oh, great! But great. yeah, you know, and of course, there's wearables, just like you have merch and all that stuff. And uh, we should we should actually swap merch, you and I. And um, absolutely. Um, but uh, but I, I love the idea that there's this entrepreneurial spirit attached. to to the creativity because that's another part of it's another form of creativity to me right I think um, you know well, being resourceful
2: you know we, well, being
1: resourceful you know, right yeah
2: you, you know I mean it's like it's like the the old days of well it's still kind of the days you know you, I would put a small pot on just like I learned from Vinnie Caliuta you mm-hmm. know you, you make a pot of coffee and you start practicing Right. And, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't even know if the Metallica guys drink anymore, but, um,
1: you God, know... They do, I don't think they do, no.
2: It, how can you endorse whiskey if you're, not, well, if you're I not drinking it, you know?
1: I'm sure they've done so, some taste testing.
2: Well, I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, and I, I'd be glad to, too. I mean, I, I would love to get involved with wine, yeah. you know, um, but, um, you know, God knows we drink enough of it around here, but... Um, <laughs> That would
1: be tough to ship that, I suppose. So <laughs> I, I'll stick with playing the guitar. You know? <laughs> but I love that. I think it's great that it's all-encompassing of this, you know. Um, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, another person that we can mention, too, about uh, who does that, and somebody that I've spoken to about it many times, is Billy Gibbons. Uh, you know, I mean, between strings, guitars, straps... Uh, the hot sauce slides hot the sauce. hot sauce uh oh, he, here in Austin he has his own sandwich um <laughs> you know and it's 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 made by uh it's made by the Antones people the folks who uh so Antones The Blues Club Yeah Antones the Blues Club here in Austin down in Houston there's Antones the Sandwich <laughs> Shop and it's a, oh. it's all part of the same family so they've they've moved the operation up here as well and so now you can oh, go to yeah. the supermarkets and buy Anton's, you know, like uh, uh, po'boys. Essentially, that's what they are. They're like po'boys. And uh, they're, oh, de- right. they're delicious. They're really good. And Billy has oh, his own signature sandwich. He has his own cowboy boots. You know, uh, I mean, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, and, and I, I, I love the creativity of it. And yes, it definitely is resourcefulness. You know, it leads me back to the old days before the internet, of the of the hair band days when I was coming up. You know, we we, you know, we would put out our own fanzine. You know,
2: that was a great idea. See, that was forward thinking. You know, and we you know thought about that. That's like the internet.
1: Yeah, and we had merch before anybody had merch back then. I mean, it was it was it was weird. I was having other bands come up to me and go, "Who's doing your merch?" I says, "I'm doing the fucking merch." Yes, yes. Because this way we keep the money.
2: (laughs) A lot of times back in the day, I mean, we we were all kind of so coddled. There was so much of an industry involved. I mean, if you you got into a decent band, you know, you didn't have to worry about the clothes because somebody was either making or giving them to you, you know, somebody who kind of knew it. Okay, that's a little bit like, you know, the screen test, you know, all right, you got to have the right haircut. You have to have the right, you know. (laughs) You have to you have to have a, a bunch of the skills, you know. And right. I think a lot of people, me perhaps a lot of musicians coming out of that time, you know. I know I was probably as guilty as anybody, you know, with that. That you know, you realize you needed a bit of a machine behind you to help, you know, push push the push the thing down the road.
1: Right.
2: And uh, the more resourceful were you, you know, when you really understood that it was just, you know, you have to do a lot of it yourself. And, you know, that's just kind of the way it was. And, and, and it's really like that today. Man, you have to do everything yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Which is fine. You know, at least you're accountable.
1: You it know? is. It is fine. I totally agree with you. It is fine. And, and yeah, you're accountable and you can also manage its course. Hopefully hopefully <laughs> well you know and then and then if, if something goes wrong you've got nobody to blame but yourself but when you exactly. know exactly accountability it, yeah there's an old saying you know I, I remember my dad used to say because he, he used to I mean he he ran so many different types of businesses when I was growing up but he used to say you know he goes you know nobody's gonna work harder for your business than you uh, right on yes so it that stuck with me you know and and it's kind of and, and that whole you know for lack of a better term, DIY, uh, Mm -hmm. mentality and, and methodology is, I think is great. I think it creates more entrepreneurial spirit. I think it creates more satisfaction at the end. And, uh, you know, the growth potential is huge, you know, and, but there's always that, that crossover
2: line, you know, it's like, um, you know, how are we going to get in with, with Live Nation? How are we going to get in with the cartels? Right, You know? right. Because that's, you know, while we were all asleep the last two and a half years, you know, I don't know how it is in Austin, but but a lot of things here have, have really radically changed. Okay, you know, people are still a little reticent about going out, you know. So mm-hmm. you, you're just getting major acts. You're getting things that are kind of sure things. Right. And, and in order to get on those kind of bills, particularly in the U.S., you know, now it's pretty much like Europe. You know, whether how can bands afford to tour? How can we expose? You know, you got the big guys playing in the stadiums. Right. You know, the rock acts. Right. You know, it, it's kind of like everybody. The, the corporations kind of ate the young. You know, <laughs> and we don't have. That's uh, <laughs> But listen. You know, where there's a will,
1: there's a way. You know, know, there's always, and that's in. I think it's about creating the groundswell, and I think it's, I think social media is, 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 that's where you have to be the most diligent. But you can't, you can't hammer it over people's heads either. You have to find that fine balance. You know what I mean? Um, Agreed. Agreed. So you know, it's, um, it's, it's it's the balancing act it definitely it is act. yeah for sure
2: continually and it's and it's constantly changing and evolving and uh how we you know and of course when you're looking on it you're going oh well he's out here doing this who's doing this you know it, right it does kind of fuel fuel the anxiety slightly right but um you know it's it's uh, at the end of the day you just have to filter enough and 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 you know make sure that you've got a product i hate to see now i sound corporate um a product that people will enjoy, and people will come out and listen and, and and have a good time.
1: Well, I think if it means something to you, and it's it legitimately legitimately means something to you, it's going to mean something to somebody else.
2: There you go, there you go. And at the end of the day, we we have to kind of please ourselves because if we oh, don't. Oh yeah, you know what, what what do we have? You know, oh, you're yeah. just out there selling crap. You oh know?
1: yeah, when I first started doing this show over ten years ago now. It, I, I said to myself, "I'm going to do this for me, and and ultimately for musicians that don't have a place to be exposed to other folks, you know, so they can be heard." It's something I wish I would have had when I was coming up. So that's
2: what—that's that, why I I've did been it. listening to you for a while. You know, you know, I don't know. You know, we said that and. and and I, you see, I think when something,
1: you know, I'm I'm sure when you started it, you didn't think of commerce. It was just because you wanted oh, to do it. Oh, hell no, you know I mean? No, I just did it. You just know? I just did it because one, it was my way of giving back to what the the great experiences I had. And excellent. Um, and and then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I started hearing from artists that I didn't expect because initially the show was for completely unknown musicians I mean literally the first few episodes are literally bedroom guitarists wow okay you know people that Good, were, you know, people that were like you know I want to get I want to be on YouTube I'll do some throw some stuff on YouTube and stuff like that and every once in a while I still g- reach out to a bedroom guitarist I said come on on the show let's talk you know that's um, awesome I mean that is great the cool thing is like over the years we've gotten people endorsement deals management deals just from the, being on the show uh, a couple of people got record great. deals from it, you know, and it's 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 really gratifying, you know, to to have something like that and do something like that for some for another musician. Um, That's great. You know, so it's it's but I did never I never did expect, you know, for, you know, all of a sudden to hear from, you know, Leslie West's people saying, you know, hey, we got it. has got a record coming out before he passed away long before he passed away. Um, yeah. Um, saying you know we, we'd like to have Leslie on your show. Would you be, would you be interested? And I was like, oh, duh. You think? <laughs> you know, years ago, I, 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 I mean, uh, years ago, I opened for Les, and um, oh, he's great. And he I got was, a great story for you. I, 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 you I know this story. <laughs> yes, and I want to hear this story. I've got a good. I've. You know, it's so funny. I, so many people have been on this show, like Rick Emmett from Triumph, and love him oh he's amazing and and so many different people from so many different areas of music have a leslie west story wadi watel wadi watel has the best leslie west story I tell mean, me that one, tell me that Honestly, one. I think I've got to, I, on one of these days I'm going to go and, I'm just going to grab all of the Leslie West stories that I've heard over the years and put out an episode of just Leslie West stories from all these different That's people.
2: That's a great idea. We'll, we should save it for that then. That would be a good one.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so Waddy Wattie grew up in the, he, I was born in the same city, uh, town that uh, Waddy was uh, born and Leslie was born, and uh, later Gene Simmons lived. There's a place called Jackson Heights. Oh, okay. Um, J- oh, Jamaica Heights. I'm sorry, not Jackson Heights. Jamaica Heights. So um, I was born in Jamaica, Queens, and it's all part of Queens. So in mm-hmm. New York. And um, they, uh, Waddy lived in this kind of, uh, they call it the Projects. Um, and it, right. was, it was just these apartment buildings. And one day, Waddy heard guitar playing somewhere in the building. So he started walking around and listening at each door where this guitar music was coming from. So he finally kept, finds the door. He knocks on the door. And, and this kind of overweight kid with glasses <laughs> and an afro, white kid, uh, with a white shirt, stained white button-down shirt, and a and a tie, uh, all messed up, just a mess. He goes, so <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever met Waddy, but he answers the door. The, the the kid answers the door, and Waddy looks at the kid and goes, "You're playing guitar in here." And and the kid just looks at him and goes, "Yeah." He goes, "You're not very good, but I can help you." <laughs> So he 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 became Waddy was Leslie's first guitar teacher. Whoa! Isn't that trippy?
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. Isn't Leslie that... Weinstein. Oh my God. Leslie
1: Weinstein. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So let's hear your yeah, let's let's hear your Leslie West story. Then I'll tell my Leslie West story. Oh,
2: well, okay, we were, um, this is one of the, one of my first touring gigs when I first arrived in L.A.
1: <laughs> Iron Butterfly, um, right?
2: Exactly.
1: Okay. And, um. Uh, <laughs> I've done my so, research. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: there I was, you know, uh, we were on this, this, this tour and, um, um, it, it was, it was, um, Grand Funk and, and, uh, Mountain, well, Leslie West and, and, and um, it was, it was, uh, um. Not Felix, obviously. Corky. Uh, who's the drummer? Corky. Yeah. Corky. Yeah. And uh, Sedway Brown. And uh, we were in there, and uh, after, you know, you get a couple of weeks, you're going a couple of weeks and everything, you know, you get to know everybody, and he goes, Fister, I, I, I hear you, you, respect me. I said, <laughs> I go, yeah, Leslie. I said, you know, my older brother would take me to see Mountain all the time, and, and you know, I just think you're the greatest. He goes, all right. And so, so during, during the obligatory drum solo, you know, I hear the screaming from the side of the stage, Pister! you know, and I'm standing off to the side while, while the drum solo is going on. He, he goes, snort this, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a kid. I go, okay. You know, but, you know. so, so we became friendly, you know, and uh, then we, we, we get on the plane and um, he, 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 gives me a cassette of, of, one of his records and he goes this is my new record I want you to listen to it so um, we're listening to it on the flight and he keeps walking up the aisle and he, and he goes did you listen to it yet and we're listening to it and meanwhile everybody in the plane is going what's going on here because you can hear his voice from a mile away oh yeah for sure and, and he goes well, well did you listen to it I go we're not done listening to it yet so the plane lands and he keeps walking up the aisle what do you think what do you think <laughs> so me and the drummer all held up our cocktail napkins with like you know, scores on it, you know, like at the Olympics, right? <laughs> so, so <laughs> he comes up, he goes, well, what is it? And it's meanwhile, everybody has to sit in their seats, you know, the, the, the stewardess is going, well, you're going to have to take a seat. So everybody's waiting. We hold up the, hold up our, our little cocktail napkins. And I don't know, the, there was an eight and a nine. And he <laughs> screams, what? No 10. <laughs> 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 It was that, he was just unbelievably you know he was there that was Leslie
1: you know yeah was no. trip. Leslie was amazing <laughs> uh, we 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 opened for him he was uh doing a bunch of shows with Joe Franco on drums who was then oh. in then in Twisted Sister formerly the good Rats um, <laughs> and um and Mark mendoza sure. on bass from Twisted Sister. And it's how we ended up getting the Twisted Sister opening act. The opening, nice. opening for them later. But so we, we found Leslie. They, we got lucky. We got the gig. We did a bunch of shows. And we're at this one particular venue where he had the nice dressing room and we had a closet, right? <laughs> and we're in there and we're eating bologna sandwiches in a closet. And uh, he is roaming around and he walks in and looks and goes the fuck are you guys doing in this closet <laughs> are you you're a bunch of feglars in here in the closet what the fuck are you doing I was, like, I was like No, this is where they put us he goes fuck that come here and he he, he walked us into his into his thing he goes and I remember him taking a taking one of the sandwiches out of, I think, out of the bass player's hand or something like that. And he just he took it and he threw it in the garbage. And he goes, "Eat my food. I'm not eating it. I'm not eating this shit. You eat the shit." So we ate his, we ate his food. We ate his food, and and then we did the show. And I remember years later when I did the interview with him, I said to him, "I said, I said, let me tell you the story about when I opened for you." He goes really I did that I go yeah he goes wow that doesn't sound like me <laughs> he goes was I, was I in a good mood I go you were in a very good mood he goes oh that explains it <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is he is a character would not he oh my god uh, he was
1: great he was he was something else man and, and you know it, the cool thing about him too was he had one of those sounds where it was like you heard one or two notes and you're like oh that's Leslie West
2: can you remember the first time you heard Mississippi Queen on the radio absolutely I mean, just yes
1: I do remember that.
2: Unbelievable. I can remember it, too. And and it was... I heard the sound, and it's been... Uh, you know, never duplicated like that. No. It was definitely in his hands,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every once in a while, I'll go back just to look at that Woodstock footage. And... Yes. It, it was just... You know, and it was... It was astounding. I mean, I mean, so many people really broke from that too. I mean, Mountain broke from broke there, and and uh, Santana, of course, you know. I mean, we were seeing ten years after. Ten years yeah. after, we were seeing we were seeing something really, really special happening at that moment because
0: Absolutely. it was
1: it was reaching so many people, not just in that weekend, but later on with that movie and the soundtrack. So, oh yeah, yeah, no, he 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 was he was something else, and he was. A true New Yorker, and um, he was somebody that I could definitely align align my mindset with, especially as far as I, you know, take no prisoners, no bullshit, straight ahead, straight, you know, a straight talker, he, he, straight shooter. Yeah. There was no no bullshitting around with that guy. And the same thing with Waddy. Wattie. Waddy's the same way, you know. I'm a mean, Waddy, even nice. though he's been he been living in L.A. for I don't know how many years. He's still so New York, you know. You can hear it in him.
2: That's the thing about L.A. You know, L- L.A. gets 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 painted a lot, and rightfully so in a lot of ways, with, you know, a lot, a lot of jive and a lot of bullshit. But, um, you know, it, being from the East Coast myself, you know, I can kind of, I like to think I could suss that out pretty quick. And,
1: and, yeah, for sure.
2: You know? You know what I mean? It's oh, like...
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: You know, that's just the way it is.
1: So if you could pick one track that or one one session that you did where it got played a lot that people wouldn't know it was you what track would it be what song would it be or what piece of music would it be to what project beyond oh, wow. beyond beyond Spaceballs beyond Spaceballs cuz folks he's 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 featured he's he's on the feature film uh in Mel Brooks Spaceballs which is one of my all-time favorite movies um it's-
2: You know, it's, 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 and that track, that track was, let me, that Spaceballs track, that was, um, God, that was just, that was me, uh, and Frankie Benelli played drums on that. Oh, wow. And as a matter of fact, I played bass on that, um, because the guy I wanted wanted too much money, and I was in a hurry, so I just did it. And I was happy with, I was happy with the way I did it, you know, (laughs) playing with a, Playing with a pick and muting, oh, I saved I save some money, you know. Absolutely. So anyway, it, it just goes to show you, you know, um, you know, Frankie and I were friends, and and he, and he came in and did that. But as far as, you know, I, I would like to think what I've always, you know, kind of kind of shot for was was when anybody hears any of my music, they know it's me, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, just just playing wise vibrato wise, you know. Hopefully no choice, and hopefully I'm not too obnoxious, but. um <laughs> You know, to, to make it pleasing to the ear and, you know, somewhat aggressive, but melodic. Right. And, um, you know, I, that was a good track. We have a track called um, um, Won't Fall Down. Uh, that's still getting tons of play. And uh, I don't want to even tell you about my streaming royalties um, because it'll make you sick. Yeah. But <laughs> when you're getting 5,000
1: plays a month and you're winding up going, all right, well, you know, where's the money? Yeah, that dollar, kind $1.55, of yeah. Yeah, hey, you know, but you're getting exposure, you know, that Thank kind you. of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. but so, I don't know, I would like to think those two songs, you know, the She Ain't Lonesome and, you know, some of the new stuff, you know, we, we've got some new stuff that, you know, I, I always have really strong blues roots. And I think that that's really important because people latch on to that feeling, you know, you, you want to take people on a little emotional trip mm-hmm. and don't pummel them to death, you know, being too loud. Um, I'm loud I, I love to play loud but hopefully it's not it's not debilitating and you know it doesn't defile anybody's ears mm-hmm. and and really great players and, and uh, the, there's a song called uh, uh, sign on the dotted line it's that's nice um, there's a couple of things you know when we go into rehearsals you know I have to pretty much go back and learn everything because you know it, it's always a uh, kind of the thing I want to move on right. let's keep going let's keep going forward you know right. what's next mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to pinpoint but you know I, I'd like to think that I don't stay in the same position and we're always trying to you know get some sort of emotional note that that you know it's not just music for musicians it's, it's music for people you know and if right. you can take them on a little trip you know and, and they enjoy it and there's a groove there's something there for them yeah. and it's not you know, bad attitude. It's positive, uplifting, and that, that's what people want to see. At least that's what I want to see when I go out, and I'm seeing new bands or, or, or whatever. I, I want to see something that moves me. So that's kind of what I try to do mm-hmm. all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And we got we're gonna have a new record here by the new year, and you know yeah, there are ta- there is tour dates coming up. And, give you us know, we're gonna
1: give us a little idea of what we could expect with the new record.
2: It's you know we did a version of. Um, um, right place wrong time, mm. which is you know the dr John song and and I never heard anybody do it, but you know we did a nice version of that, and there's a bunch of new stuff that I like hooky chorus type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I always loved the pop music when I was a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Remember when you ride in your in your parents' car and you know am radio was great
1: Yeah, back then
2: there was real, real diverse and really cool stuff and, yeah. and I would like to think that. You know the, my songwriting has kind of uh, gone a little bit more in that direction, and, yeah. and you know, flush the fashion. I, I I don't really care. You know, I'm kind of doing. You know, always want to do. It's a lonely road, but you got to do your own thing,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love your so, I love your cover of uh, uh, the Rufus and Shaka Khan song. Um, oh, thanks. tell me something good. Oh, wow. I I love that. That's super cool, and that's such a great song. I love. I always love that song. It's it's such a uh, you know pocket song you know everything's in the pocket and there um yeah you did a great job on that one i really like
2: oh i appreciate it thanks that's you know that that's back in the days of you know when you heard you know chaka khan sing that thing you're going oh my god what can i what can i do to this cuz i always loved the song you know and yeah. um that, the basic track on that, I remember it That was cut right off the floor yeah. You know, we, we did that And of course, you know, a bunch of overdubs But um, all the basic tracks were, were right there So, that's yeah, cool. that was fun
1: Yeah, that's cool I have a really funny Shaka Khan story that I'll tell you off, Mike But I won't I'm Okay out. I'm not going to bore the list <laughs> <laughs> but, um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this record um, And when when will we expect it? New Year, you said?
2: Yeah, we, we're going to wait till the rest of the year. Half of it's done, and, um, you know, we're, we're cutting drum tracks, and, and I'm going to take my time with it, because even shuffling around tour, tour dates, I mean, we've postponed the tour going on four times now.
1: Hmm.
2: Because of, you know, every time the agents rebook, you know, maybe you lose one or two. And then you're looking at the numbers, and you're going, oh, people are a little reticent still about going out yeah. you know and uh i you know i don't want to come out of this thing you know ha- at all half-assed i want it to be right yeah. and um <clears throat> it's got to make sense so i think we're going to we're going to just wait till the new year um and and do the record really right but then there's you know the let it slide record which <laughs> it was it came out literally the day they shut everything down
1: oh my lord
2: Mid March, and it was right there. All of a sudden, I'm going, "What?" So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of really nice stuff on that. That, uh, you know, hell, we didn't get a chance to, to give it give it the kind of exposure that I wanted to give it. But mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm no different than anybody else in that boat.
1: So, no, uh, yeah, there's a lot I'm, of folks in that same boat, and you know, exactly, and you, you will get a chance to play those those songs live when you get out there, though. That's that's gonna. I be, hope so. Yeah, for I sure. I hope so. Um, Man, I, I this's been a great conversation. I really love talking to you, man. It was great.
2: Oh, likewise, Mark. It's really great that Do you ever get to LA?
1: Uh you know, I haven't since the pandemic. Um but, yeah. yeah, but I am planning a trip uh actually later this year, maybe the beginning of next year. But if I do, I will definitely give you a holler.
2: Please do. Please do. You know, let's keep in touch. It'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, we'll go get a bad hot dog at pinks or something
2: No, you're i live right up the street do so you really no <laughs> yeah i'm up in laurel canyon
1: so. okay cool, cool. do you ever get to the potato you ever go to the potato and
2: with it's right down the street for me i i usually play there four or five times a year
1: oh cool and that's,
2: that's... usually where we do our tour warm-ups and and um you know, we go in there and, you know, Justin rolls out the red carpet. He's great. It's a great and, uh, room. I'm glad he's still here and yeah. I'm glad we could still we could still play someplace that's local. Um, and that's, you a, know, it's about music.
1: It's so, amazing yeah. that room sounds as good as it does when you look at it. When you, <laughs> no, because we're not, and not the, not the, not the accoutrement. <laughs> it's not that at all. No, no. I'm just talking about the layout of the room.
2: It's, it's all wrong it's, it's like, all like wrong in the middle of the
1: room how yeah. the hell does that room sound as good as it does but it's sad, it's <laughs> like the I think it's the best sounding room in la I, I, I think you're absolutely right because they really can't fuck it up if, if you play correctly on the stage yeah you
2: know all they do is just in, in, enhance it a little bit so, I
1: think if um, they moved anything out of place I think it would fuck everything up
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree I agree yeah. <laughs> Oh, so much to talk
1: about. so, so many tales to tell. So many know. tales to tell. Yes, if the wallpaper you know. if the wallpaper could talk. Uh um, oh folks go to stevefister.com for more and cool stuff. Obviously, anywhere you stream music, you can hear Steve's music. Um and what I would like you to do is go ahead and like take an album and 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 stream it and then like loop it and have it just keep streaming. You know, That'd be great. Yeah. Just let it go overnight. Just let know? it go overnight. <laughs> let it go overnight. It's the only way that we're going to beat the machine. Um, there you go. But yeah, folks, go to Steve com. There's some really good stuff there. In in the show notes on GuitarRadioshow.com, there'll be some video uh, and there'll be links to Steve and all the different things that Steve does. And uh, go have a cup of coffee. That would be good. <laughs> Um, I know I'm a holic, so I definitely will be doing that but folks uh, check them out Steve thanks so much for being on the show we appreciate it
2: Mark thanks it's really great to talk to you and I was looking forward to it and,
1: and much appreciated thanks man hold on one second but we're gonna sign off right okay. oh you know what before we do that if, if you have pick, pick a tune off of Let It Slide what track or any track any one of your songs pick a song um, and we'll, we're gonna go no out No One Left to Blame No one. No left One Left to Blame y'all Check it out. All right, hang on one second, see.
0: Show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, GuitarRadioShow.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Find Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, if you like the artists you hear on Guitar Radio Show, don't just stream their music, buy it. This episode of Guitar Radio Show is brought to you in part by BMFFX BMFFX.com built by hand in southern california bmffx captures the tones in your record collection and brings them to life overdrive fuzz wah boosts chorus compressor and vibe pedals with a purpose purchase online at bmffx.com or bmffx official shop on reverb enhance your tone and playing experience today with bmffx bmffx.com great tone made simple Geppetto Pickups, geppettoguitars.com. Guitar players are always searching for the tone that will define their playing identity. Geppetto pickups wide spectrum of tones and sonic colors inspire and instill a newfound confidence in the player that comes from having amazing tone. Single coils humbuckers and bass pickups wound and constructed by hand to a level of perfection that will finally satisfy that search for tone and enhance your playing. Because, let's face it, when you sound better, you're inspired to play better. Go to geppettoguitars.com. We'll give your guitar its voice, but you'll make it sing. Unchained Brands. UnchainedBrands.com, rock and roll accessories that give back, handcrafted pendants, chains, necklaces, earrings, and wearables that symbolize the union of the music community. Unchained Brands is proud to provide a portion of their proceeds to benefit Music Cares, a nonprofit organization that provides a safety net of critical assistance, education, pathways to recovery, and support for all music people in times of need. Together, we will lead the journey to inspire through our products and our community. Come join us. Find Unchained Brands on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at UnchainedBrands.com.